It is your Thursday, Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day and another great show coming up here. Uh, Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA Insider, will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about the NBA offseason, the Timberwolves, a lot of burning questions ahead of them in the coming months and really at least in the next calendar year. Uh, Bobby and I will sort through all the changes in the collective bargaining agreement, how that impacts the Wolves going forward, and of course the big questions How does this roster fit together, and what do they do, if anything, to get better this offseason? And that could include, of course, a Carl Anthony Towns trade, although Bobby doesn't think that's necessarily likely. He does kind of run through the what-ifs and why the Wolves would consider doing that and kind of you know assesses uh, Towns' trade value to a certain degree. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of good details within that interview with Bobby Marks from ESPN. That coming up, like I said, in just a few minutes. Got some NBA Finals talk, got some big Major League Soccer news with Lionel Messi reportedly coming over to Major League Soccer to play in Miami. That news uh, coming out in the last couple days here. First, though, what did I miss? You know, I feel like we've been talking about the Twins a lot lately. It's kind of funny, too, because I recorded a segment for Friday's show already just because of scheduling with, uh, with Bobby Nightingale Jr., our new Twins beat writer, and I was just kind of asking him, early impressions about the team and he's just kind of saying it kind of seems like it's the same thing either they hit home runs and they get enough offense to win or they don't and they struggle and it just kind of got me down the path again of looking at their kind of looking at their game by game lately and there's just been a lot a lot to take in lately with this team but five runs total in their last five games including a two to one loss to Tampa Bay on Wednesday night. Now, no shame, of course, losing necessarily to Tampa Bay, a close, tight ball game. The Twins managed to get that run in the ninth on a Royce Lewis run-scoring hit after doing nothing pretty much all game. So they did at least show some fight in that ninth inning, but there are no moral victories in Major League Baseball, and there are no um, no real gratifying tales to be told about an offense that scored five runs in five games, and more to the point, an offense that doesn't seem capable of any sort of consistency. It's not that they haven't scored any runs this season. It's that they can't put forth a consistent offensive effort. You look at their last recent handful of you know, 12, 13 games, it's one run, zero runs, one run, two runs, one run, seven runs. Eight runs, one run, seven runs, no runs, nine runs, one run, seven runs. They, they can't get any kind of consistent performance going. They're not putting up fours and fives and giving themselves a chance to win every game. They're not really in a lot of these games, and that's the frustrating part to me, that, they, that they're in this space where they can score runs. They have these games where they have outbursts, where it starts to click. Maybe it's against inferior pitching. Maybe it's maybe it's just that the, the offense gets going and it's contagious. I don't know what it is. But in both directions, it seems like it's contagious this season. And the sickness has caught up to them in a big way right now. They are now 31-31. and 31. If they were in the American League East, they would be tied for last place instead they are in the terrible American League Central, but teams are gaining on them. They're they're two and a half up still, but three teams now within four games of the Twins in the AL Central, the Guardians, the Tigers, and the White Sox. Um, those teams are threats to a varying degree. I think the White Sox still have a lot of talent, maybe the most talent in the division, top to bottom. 
Cleveland is the defending champs, and Detroit seems to be at least somewhat improved this year. The Royals are still absolutely terrible, so that is not a factor this year. But, you know, if the Twins have been, if it seems like all season long that they have been, you know, flirting with trouble, if they've been flirting with, you know, getting in trouble in this division where it seems like no matter what they do, they're still up by three or four games. That's going to go away if they keep losing like this, if they keep having these subpar offensive performances. Now, the backdrop of this, Chip Scoggins had a column in today's paper and StarTribune.com. He talked to Rod Carew. Both of them frustrated with the Twins' strikeouts. They're on pace to set a major league record for strikeouts this season. They've struck out more than any team in the league so far this year. That piece of it is frustrating to him. The approach Rod Carew talking about the approach this team takes at the plate, just trying to lift too many balls, too much all or nothing, and I do think that shows up in the outcomes of games. Also, the backdrop of this, Luis Arias, two more hits on Wednesday for the Marlins. He is hitting 403. I mentioned with Lavelle the other day on a show that if you put Luis Arias' stats into the Twins lineup, their batting average, their team batting average would all of a sudden climb 15 points, and I can't imagine that's any different now, and in fact, it might be a little more right now. I'm not saying it's a, a major regret right now. Pablo Lopez, good pitcher. He pitched well on, thir- on on Wednesday, sorry, for the Twins. Seven strong innings, but man, just, just the, the, the approach at the plate, the overall approach at the plate by this team, you see how much they miss a rise, and also you see how much they miss the production of three guys that I wrote about in Wednesday um, on Wednesday's StarTribune.com as well. Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, and Jorge Polanco. All three of those guys, you know, free agent, uh, you know, amateur free agent signings when they were 16 years old, all of them in 2009, the same class. They kind of rose through the ranks together. All of them had massive years with the Bomba Squad tw- Twins in 2019. You thought, okay, these guys are all coming into their prime. They were 26 that year. You're like, these guys are going to be mainstays, really good hitters in the lineup for years to come, and it just hasn't happened. Sano, of course, was the one that got the most publicity, kind of just too many strikeouts, flamed out, ended up getting bought out. This year is not even on the team anymore. Kepler's just been on this downward spiral. He's down below 200 this year. OPS barely above 600. you got to imagine his days might be numbered because he, too, is on the last year of his deal. Polanco has been more of an injury story. You know, injuries kind of curtailed his effectiveness in 2020, had a great 2021 season, but even but now since then, 2022, and again now, injuries limiting his availability and his effectiveness when he's in the game. So those are three guys you would have imagined you could pencil into this lineup in the top six spots in the order for the next five years beyond, you know, 2019. And here we are, you know, four years later, and those guys just haven't produced, have not given them what they thought they would need. So it's not just those guys, of course. Carlos Correa needs to be better. Byron Buxton's on the injured list again, and even before that, he'd gone through long stretches where he didn't produce this year. It is a collective effort when this team fails on offense this season. It's frustrating to everybody. Like I said, Chip wrote about it. Anybody who watches is frustrated with this offense. The pitching's got to be frustrating with the frustrated with the offense. I don't know where they go from here, but something's got to change. They can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results because this is not working. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. 
With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. I'm really glad to bring in Bobby Marks from ESPN. I don't know if Bobby is the busiest man in NBA media, but he sure seems like it. A lot of you guys are busy right now because it's kind of that uh, that sweet season right between, you know, we got the NBA finals going on, but it's also draft and free agency right around the corner. So I definitely appreciate your time, Bobby. How you doing? I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a busy time. I actually, uh, when we t- uh, talked or I guess emailed last week, I was in California, um, I tried to sneak in a couple of visits for my son, who's going to be a senior in college to go visit at visit some schools. And I was like, yeah, I think that might be a good time to do it. The NBA finals were just about to start. And um, sure enough, um, NBA today was like, hey, are you around to uh, do TV today? And I was like, well, I'm in L.A. actually. I can <laughs> come down and and uh, yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, when you look at it, certainly um the NBA season wrapping up and we've got the draft in a few weeks and then we've got free agency. Um, it's the, it's as, this is as busy as it will get. And then, you know, once August hits, we're, you know, we're in idle mode for a little while. Right. Right. It, it makes it fun. And you do kind of these off season primers for all of the teams. I believe you've probably done them all except for Denver and Miami. And those are probably pretty close to, you know, we kind of know what those will probably look like anyway, but you, you did your one for the Timberwolves about a month ago once they were eliminated by Denver, you know, a playoff series that, you know, five games, it was not really competitive, but maybe looks a little bit dressed up by comparison now that the Nuggets have proven to be awfully good and are in the finals. But I'm just kind of curious to, to to get your take you know not only not only now as you know someone who studies these things league-wide but as a former executive also um kind of where they're situated feels kind of strange to me because they kind of they went all in obviously with the go bear move gave up so much draft capital to do that didn't have the kind of year last year they wanted by any stretch where are they now what, what's what's your sense on where they are right now and their kind of growth curve and, and where they might go from here yeah, it's an interesting spot. I mean, you know, usually when you go all in, I mean, we went all in in, in New Brooklyn in 2013 um, with the Pierce Garnett trade, um, and then lost in the second round, and then did a did a huge pivot, right? As far as from where that roster was, certainly a different situation based on how old the older players um, from Boston, you know, Gobert is not Kevin Garnett, you know, as far as up there in age here. I think. I think where they are is, is that, you know, anytime you you do push all your chips in the middle, you, you know, losing in the first round is probably not the end result here. Right. No. Like that's like, especially when you were coming off a competitive series the prior year against Memphis, right. You take them six good games, certainly could have gone different way. And then the lose did a really good Denver team. I just felt like this season was uneven. Um, and you, you know, certainly with the town's injury and ba- trying to make, him and Rudy fit and, you know, certainly, you know, shuffling some new faces here. Um, it's like, whose team is it? Is it Anthony's team? Is it Carl's team? Um, who do you build around here? Um, you know, Tim's first year, um, Connolly, um, trying to kind of um, emulate kind of what he did in Denver um, as far as from a roster construction. And I think they're, 
Yeah, the expectation was that this was going to be a 50-win team and they'd be a top four seed in the Eastern and the Western Conference when the reality of it was they were the last team to get in, um, you know, from a from playoffs perspective. So so whenever I say like state of the roster, it's like to be determined, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's a cop out, but it's that's just how I I'm not ready to kind of cast judgment on um, the trade was a failure or, you know, you know, the doom and gloom here. It's like, I want another year kind of to see if this works. Um, you know, it's certainly the two bigs, um, before you maybe go, um, make a drastic change as far as what this roster is, is going to be. It's, it's interesting, you know, like they've got some certainly decisions to make, um, um, you know, it's got with uh, Edwards and McDaniels as far as two guys extension. Eligible. I'm just interested to see like my, my big question for this, um, you know, if, if Minnesota would have known what these CBA rules were yeah. right now, yeah. a year, you know, a year ago, would they've still made the trade? Like, yeah. That's probably like the, you know, the question here, because these new collective bargaining agreement rules, like it's, it's very hard for you um um, they'll be the only the second team that has three max players behind the other team is Denver with uh, Jokic, Murray, and Porter. Wow. Now you can do it. Okay. You can do it, but you better make sure like everything else around these three players is really good. Like yeah. you got good and it, and you could do it too. If you have draft picks too, like if you have a first, you know, and I know it kind of certainly what they've given up in that Utah trade, um, you know, that hurts. Um, but you're going to need the Wendell Morris of the Josh Minot, the guys like you've drafted, um, you know, maybe whatever happens to the 53rd pick, maybe that's a two-way player, but like you need like your young infrastructure of um, younger players to really take a big step because it makes it harder to add talent outside of your own players here. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess like most people were kind of in a wait and see mode as far as what this roster does. I'm not ready to kind of start doing nine different trade scenarios and calling okay. towns, although some people probably wanted to do that here, but, um, but there's, there's a lot of work to do. Um, there's a, you know, this is a big off season um, as far as, you know, as far as tweaking the edges here. And it's a big, I think this, this upcoming season is, is, huge just based on it kind of the direction of the roster can kind of go one or two ways yeah i think so and it's a couple things you said you did a a wrap up kind of like this 10 minute video you wrote about it too of you know kind of a timberwolves offseason primer and one of the things you said that was interesting to me and i think you alluded to it already was you know the the move that you that you guys made in Brooklyn about ten years ago to kind of to push it in and say hey we're going to go for it here. You you said I think on the video you said you kind of get one shot to do that, yeah. and yeah. if it doesn't work, um you know it it's it's not you know it it you can either work or it doesn't work. Do you and you and you just said now you're not willing to say you know we're not at that point where we're going to say this didn't work here, but second year of that if if we if we allow a second year of that we're going to we're going to know, or we're going to know if they do something more drastic this off season, how they already feel about it. I don't, I don't feel like that's the direction they're going. It does feel like they're going to try to see this through for a second year and then make those harder decisions when they have to be made. Um, You know, a, a year from now when the town's max kicks in, when the Edwards and, and McDaniels extensions would kick in and they're all of a sudden like, Hey, we got a bunch of, you know, uh, minimum salaries or else we're going to be in the luxury tax kind of thing. Um, that said, like, do you, do you, do you feel at this point, like the shot they took is, where's that trending to you right now? 
Yeah, I just think um, where it's trending is, is that those type of deals probably won't exist moving forward unless it's, you know, a top four, top five player. I think it's hard how these new rules are going to be set up to kind of go and take a goal all in approach and move three or four first round picks. For a explain guy making- that Explain that to me a little bit more because I don't follow the that the new CBA yeah, as closely as you've yeah. read so, about so, it, but explain so that to me. Yeah, so basically how the um, the league is operating is that um, – it's not a hard cap, but there are different tax levels here. Okay. We've always quasi had a, uh, I guess we call it a first apron, which is basically it's $7 million above the luxury tax. Okay. And that restricts you as far as if you have the, how much of the mid-level exception you can use. Can you go out and get a player to sign and trade as far as some of those, you know, it gives you less than what others can have. Now, what the league has done is they put a second apron in. Okay, so now we call it the second apron. So that's an additional $10 million above the first. So, for example, if the luxury tax this upcoming year is 162, first apron is 169, and then that second apron is 179. Okay, Okay? it grows as the cap goes for the following year, which would be when Edwards and McDaniel's extension um, kick in. That would be a higher number based on where the luxury tax is. However, what happens is, is that what the league is basically saying is like you got teams have a one year reprieve basically for this year to kind of get your finances in order. These first and, and second apron are still in play, but um, really the only restriction is if you're a second apron team, you don't have the tax mid-level exception. So I've, I've used the um, Dante DiVincenzo in Golden State as an example. If this was in play, Golden State wouldn't have been able to go out and sign him. Joe Ingles in um, Milwaukee, Bruce Brown in Denver, potentially guys for that exception here. The trade rules, um, you know, instead of acquiring a player within 125%, now it's 110%. Okay? okay. So it makes it harder for you to go out and, you know, acquire players here. So what happens though is come 2024, now they're going to put the screws to you. Okay. okay? Now it's basically. Hey, if you're a first first apron team, okay, so that's the first level. It's basically dollar for dollar, hundred percent. You know, so if you're trading a if you're trading a thirty million dollar player um, and you want to take thirty one million, that doesn't work anymore. Okay, you basically have to take at or less. Okay. Okay. What happens is though when you get to the second apron, okay, this higher spending number, right. basically kind of where Golden State and the Clippers, Miami. You can't aggregate contracts anymore for oh, a wow. trade. So you can't, yeah. I mean, like, so if you want to set you want a $30 million guy, better make sure you got a $30 million guy in your roster or okay. a $31 million guy, right? So there are different mechanisms as far as you know, you can't trade a draft pick out seven years. Um, you know, as far as like Minnesota wouldn't if let's say they were a second apron team during the Gobert trade, they wouldn't have been able to add that fourth pick in the deal. Um, and there's all these different draft restrictions here. So it just makes it very hard for you to go out and add outside of your own core. You can do it. You can go out and, and sign your second round pick, or if you had a first round pick, or the players to the veteran minimum exception. But it just makes it extremely challenging as far as when it comes to free agency, when it comes to roster building, if you want to go out and kind of make that trade. Okay. So that's knowing that, I mean, sh- should that change how they're thinking right now? I mean, we, we come back to towns in a lot of these cases just because that feels like the most movable part because I don't think you would have traded for Rudy Gobert if you didn't think he was 
a long-term fit. The fit with Towns and Gobert in, in a limited sample size was not great. Uh, the offensive efficiency was uh, about as bad as you can get in the, in the league when those guys were on the court together. Um, Towns' value probably isn't as high as it's ever going to be right now because he was injured a lot last year and you know things of that nature. And I think maybe reputation-wise in this league, we've seen him enough. We kind of know what he is, but you know there's definitely a skill set there. Just kind of seeing what's coming down the road, imagining kind of what their ceiling is for this season. Like, how should they be thinking about Carl Anthony Towns? I think it's going to depend on, you know, I think certainly Anthony's extension is probably going to be a max, right? I mean, that's probably yeah. a realistic, that's just, I think it's going to be interesting where McDaniels comes in. I think that kind of maybe sets the wheels in motion here. I, I do think it is, it becomes a little more challenging to move off those higher priced players a year from now. Yeah. It, it really does. It's like, you know, we're seeing it in, you know, we're hearing a lot of Damian Lillard chatter, right? Like in all the, you know, like our, was watching TV and said, Oh, Miami would be a great fit. Well, Miami is going to be like, they can't go, go out and got get a $50 million guy next off season. They right. can do it now. You know, you can make it work now. Um, but next year it, it just becomes a lot challenging. So I think for um, if you ever got to a decision where if Carl was the guy that um, I guess the sacrificial lamb or the guy that you needed to move to maybe break up that contract and balance your roster. And if you figure, Hey, Anthony's our guy and we're going to build around. Yeah. I think this is kind of your window to go out and do it. I think yeah. your window is this kind of this, this upcoming year, just because it becomes a little more challenging next off season, because then you've got to find the right team, right? Yeah. You basically, it's like doing a puzzle. Okay. I can't use the pieces that are, I can't use the teams that have two max guys already or a max guy, or, you know, you're basically kind of, um, you know, in the, in the past, it would be like, yeah, as long as they have the picks, right. And the contracts to make it work. Right. Now it's, you have to look at what else is on that roster because a team isn't going to be willing to take back a guy making, you know, 45, $50 million. Yeah. And that's, and that's the interesting thing as I think like logistically, I, I think they would want to see what this roster can do. But like, if you think about the upcoming season, like what, let's say they run it back. What do you think their ceiling is? Yeah, I mean that's and you might lose Nas, right? I mean that's yeah. a possibility. So you lose, um, you know, a, a backup, uh, you know, good backup big, and we'll see what happens with you know guys like Jalen Noel. I mean, you get Mike for the full year, you know, you get Conley yeah. for the full year, and that's another thing too. Is like that eventually is like it's like kind of a stopgap, right? Like as far as what you do at point guard. So yes. then like that's like you know you walk into the two thousand. I know we're jumping to two thousand twenty four, but you walk into the two thousand twenty off season for 24 off season a year from now with three guys on max contracts and then McDaniels, right? And no, like, point, and no point guard. Yeah. So is it going to be your draft pick? Is it going to be, you know, whatever limited money here? Um, that is, um, that's a hard you know challenge. And that's why I said, like, you better hope like some of your younger players take a big step. Like you got to get it right here. Um, you know, you still have, I said, you know, Wendell and Josh and, um, Torian's still on the roster. I thought Kyle yeah. Anderson's been really good. You're like your supporting yeah. cast is good, right? Um, but like, what happens when Kyle comes off the books a year from now? Like, it just it's kind of like right. You just when you're top heavy with numbers and contracts, it just makes it very hard to kind of build out. You better have a really good. Not everyone can be Miami, right? right. Go out and sign six or seven guys to these um, minimum or young players undrafted and kind of develop them into, um, you know, rotational, you know, slash starters. 
although they did hear used to have the guy who's driving it all in Miami, Jimmy Butler. But that's a that's a story yeah, for another that's, time. That's, that's another a, podcast. <laughs> that's a story for a different podcast. Yeah, that was a that did not work out here uh, so great. I can't believe we're coming up on the I think the five year anniversary of that all blowing up pretty soon here, and we've been kind of hearing little bits and pieces about that lately. I think Towns was on a podcast recently. He got asked about it. Uh, Jeff Teague was on a podcast. He yeah. he was great talking about it. like I didn't realize Teague could be such a good storyteller. That was fun. I was that was one of the great. I mean, I have a lot of stories to tell, but that was I was an enjoyable one as far as the, the how the dynamics and how that all kind of played out. Yeah, it 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 is. Um, speaking of you know, listening to other things, I heard I think it was the Simmons Rusillo podcast. The they they were kind of doing their worst GM job rankings. They put the Wolves job at the third worst in the league, probably just because of all these kind of financial cap questions that you and I have been kind of alluding to here. Do you? How do you see that job right now? I mean, obviously it's it's who, Tim Conley's job right who, now, and he's he's kind of made it what it is. Who'd they have as a top two? <laughs> I think it was, uh, if I remember right, it was Charlotte and Chicago, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I think until there's more to the this trade, right? Yeah. Until there's more, I'm like, I can't, I can't say it. So I mean, like, listen, you got one of the one of the top wings in the in the uh, in the NBA yeah. on your roster, yes. right? And I think there's still a huge upside to him um you have a very tradable player in carl if you ever wanted to pivot like i you know you have one of the better defenders in the league in mcdaniels like there are pieces there you know the downside is is that you're kind of boxed yourself into a corner a little bit here you know the gobert trade in reality kind of box you in and that's why i said like when you do it like you better if you're going to move four, you know, four ones and whatever pick swaps and stuff like that. It's like, you know, it, it's it's you know, it's it's basically kind of like Jokic. It's Embiid. It's like you know, even I guess Donovan Mitchell to an extent here, even though that price tag. I mean, that price. See, that price tag was. I mean, when you when you look back at it, you know, marketing. You know, yeah. as far as what they had to give back, Obaji, the draft picks haven't come to fruition. Now, what happened in Cleveland was that they were the four seed. Yeah. Right. Like nobody talks about them eliminating in the first round. Yeah. Like to a, yeah. to a Nick team and what was it? Five, I guess five games, right? I think it was five games. Yeah. Two. It, was, it was a, it was either yeah. five or six. It was, nobody, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty short series. Yeah. Nobody talks about, they talk about what Cleveland did in the regular season or like, you know, the four, whatever, four seed here. But, you know, like we can yeah. go bear Mitchell, right? Like yeah. they get up a lot too um, in that regards here. So it just, it just, as I said, it puts a lot of pressure on your front office as far as kind of what, you know, you don't really have another another move unless it's either you're internally going to get better or you're going to have to move off one of your other players. Got a Rudy Gobert question for you. Then I want to talk quick, um, a little bit of broader NBA with free agency and, of course, the draft in just a couple of weeks here. You know, I think the thing we forget maybe a little bit about Gobert as we kind of dissect that trade is he was not the player that they thought they were getting at least that he did not perform like that. He was, he was the, he was a first team, all defensive player for six years in a row with Utah before this trade, he didn't get a single vote on all defensive team this season. He was a multiple defensive player of the year. Like what, what happened? Is this just the natural aging process for a 30 year old big man? Or should they have expected more from him this season? And is that part of why we're having this conversation right now? 
I, I think some of it has to do with, you know, you, you're in such a comfort level, whether it be in Utah and you played for Quinn Snyder, who kind of maybe used him a little bit differently. Um, you go to a, you know, you move to a, a new team, um, a new coach, a new system. Um, you know, you're basically had been playing with, you know, Bogdanovic as your four in Utah. Now you go with Cat here as your, you know, as your four. Um I would be surprised if we if um, we're talking about it next year and be like, well, man, Rudy really fell off the cliff here. Yeah. Like I, I'm like I'm expecting a bounce back year. Like defensively, like you know, is a you know, hey, this, the, the offensively, it's always going to be a little bit of a challenge, right? He's not yeah. going to come back in, in in training camp and start shooting threes. Like it's like right. not he's not going to become a perimeter big. Like that's just not the reality of it. Um, I do think, you know, from a defensive standpoint, it's just a matter of kind of fit and how they use him. Um, I think it's kind of him trying to figure out how he fits there. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, but I do think um, I would be stunned if, you know, for a year from now, we're thinking, man, what happened to that guy who was all NBA and was defensive player of the year? A lot of Wolves fans like to, like you were just alluding to, construct, uh, would you say nine different Carl Anthony Towns trades? I think we've seen, <laughs> I think I've seen even more than that. And some of the ones I've been seeing recently are kind of fixating on this Portland idea and trying to trade him there for, you know, that high draft pick that Portland yeah. got in the, when the lottery drawing came out, um, you know, steering clear of any kind of true speculation there. Give, kind of give me your, your lay of the land for, Beyond the obvious number one overall pick with Wembenyama and uh, and and San Antonio, how do you see the rest of this kind of playing out this year? It's pretty interesting, just because you've got um, whether it be Brandon Miller, the forward from Alabama, or Scoot Henderson, the guard from um, yep. G, played for the G, G League Ignite. You're looking at Charlotte at two and Portland at three, who both have Lamelo and Damian Lillard. Yes. So now you're looking at probably Scoot Henderson. One of those teams is probably going to draft Scoot Henderson, but if they stay there, I mean yes. that's just the reality of it. Because I think there's there's so much you know, there's a little more separation here. I think that starts. You know, if you're looking at Charlotte, um, likely staying, and then Portland, right? I mean, at three, you know, my big question for them always is: is does the roster fit the timeline of Damian Lillard? Like, like I always said, like when I do these off season articles and videos, I said like a year from now, we're going to be talking about the same thing. Like, I think I just have that weird feeling. Like we can talk about their defensive shortcomings and yeah. Portland winning 35 games. Like that's just the reality of it here. And I think it's going to be interesting. Like, I don't think three can turn into an impact player. Like I, I, it, I have a hard time believing that right now um, that it can turn into an all-star type player um unless there's more coming with that pick yeah like i don't think they're going to give up shade and sharp and i don't know if anthony simons and three gets you um in the in the ballpark especially where their pick in future years is encumbered because they owe it to chicago so like there's another layer to that also here um but but portland is certainly in, in an interesting spot just based on you know the scoot liller pairing and then does as I said, does that fit like the timeline of, um, you know, of, of the trailblazers? I think it's the draft in, in itself. I think it's a draft of wings. Um, it's a draft of defensive minded wings. When you look at a sore and a man Thompson who played at overtime elite, um, you know, certainly two different type players, um, a, a develop, you know, kind of, you know, work in progress offensively here, but um but man, like it's, you know, you can't really, I mean, it's, it's very fluid as it's, I think it's a deep draft. I think it's a fluid draft here. Um, 
I, th- I was just looking through my notes. It could be the year of the French, you know, certainly yeah. at, at, at one. And then um, his teammate, uh, Bilal Kulabali, who plays with him, Ryan Rupert, who plays in uh, New Zealand here. Um, there, we could have three or four French players drafted mm-hmm. in the first round here. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a wing oriented draft. Um, you know, there's interesting, you know, the new the two-way rules are changing because now you can add a third two-way um, yeah. to, to the mix here. We only have 58 picks. Two because yeah. the right. two are eliminated here. Um, so it's gonna be interesting. But I do think, of course, you know, Victor at one, but I do think the draft starts at two and what, what Charlotte does, and then what you know, what um what what Portland does at three. If you're the wolves, should you be desperately or or at least intriguingly trying to get into this draft beyond what your second round pick is, or is it okay to be able to be sitting this one out based on what they have? Yeah, I think you're okay. I mean, I certainly, I, I do. It's, it's hard to get into first unless yeah. you're going to sacrifice something of something of value, you know. Like as you know, and I think if you're sitting at, I think they're at 53. That's the Knicks pick. Um, it could be a two way player. Maybe it's a guy that kind of you know slides through the cracks here. It's a matter of you know, like if you're looking at your stash of seconds, um, are you willing to kind of move more to kind of um yeah maybe move up a little bit in the in the the draft here you can buy you know is it something that makes sense to buy in um that's a rule that's going to change too for for in the future um not this year but um you know if you're one of these second apron teams you know the cash to buy stuff goes away you know like that it gets eliminated so that's a little bit of a wrinkle here but um but yeah i just think you know where they are like i don't think you can you know like if your board tells you you know this guy is available but 18 it's like how much do you really want to give up more to kind of get in there yeah well it's been it's been a couple of years recently that they were that they were sitting out uh the the first round i think it was a couple of years ago i think they didn't have a first round pick either i'm trying to remember the circumstances oh yeah it was the the year that it was the wiggins trade still the, the outcome of the uh the wiggins and uh Russell trade. So we've had a couple of years like that here after so much lottery fascination, at least they're not in there. That was the, that was the, that was the secret fear of everyone here that the, that somehow they were going to find their way into the lottery and that Utah with that 1% chance was going to get Victor and that that would just be the, the continued curse of, uh, of the wolves. But you know, it should be a fascinating draft free agency really quick. What, well, I mean, it, it feels like trades are, are more the secret sauce of the league now than free agency, but there's some names out there that should be intriguing. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you know, from a free agency standpoint, certainly Kyrie in Dallas and yeah. James Harden, what happens with him? Um, you know, you're looking at certainly what in Toronto with Fred Van Vliet, who's got a player option. Um, you know, the cast of characters of teams that have cap space are basically the same that we've seen in, in prior years. Certainly Houston's kind of the leader in the clubhouse. Um, I do think, you know, we could see a little bit of a heavy trade market just based on where these, as we talked about the rules and as far as teams trying to kind of get their house in order um, right now, um, the Lakers will always be kind of fascinating because, you know, they'll, every player will be linked to them and they won't have money to spend it, you know, as far as, you know, I mean, I think they've made a focus on Lawson Reeves and Rui Hachimura and um, we'll see if they kind of run it back, um, running back with that with that group here um you know we talked about portland with lillard um yeah it's it's a lot of new head coaches here but you were you know whenever you think you know it's not hey it's not a great free agent class it's it free agency is always busy i don't care who's you know yeah. who's part of it um this this period of time will always be busy 
Yep. And the busiest of the busy season is only a couple weeks away once the draft and free agency get uh, get going in earnest. Uh, Bobby Marks will be covering it, as he always does, with ESPN and Insider over there. Bobby, appreciate your time, as always, and uh, be well, and we'll talk down the road. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Bobby Marks. Uh, I'll be writing about that more on Thursday. StarTribune.com is kind of pulling out some of the things I thought were the most interesting as we think about the Wolves' future. One thing that is interesting definitely is thinking about the Nuggets. They beat the Heat in Game 3 rather convincingly back in Miami. Uh, 15-point win. Jokic and Murray were terrific. Nuggets, a, a lesson in patience, right? A team that's kind of been built for the past few years. They've added some pieces along the way, but a team that's kind of constructed the way the Wolves might think about being constructed with kind of a top-heavy roster with you know, a bunch of max guys and then guys kind of at the bottom filling it out. Is that the model? Will that work? I don't know. It sure works if you have a two-time MVP on your roster like Nikola Jokic. I don't know if the Wolves have a player of that caliber. I think Anthony Edwards is their hope for that, but I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is that player, and I don't think Rudy Gobert is that player. So they have to ask themselves, can they build the same way as the Nuggets? Tim Connolly coming over from the Nuggets last year, bringing that model to them. Is that something that's going to work, or do they need to find, like Bobby Mark said, some of that roster balance, and would that mean it comes from a Carl Anthony Towns trade? Let's finish with the cooler. Lionel Messi coming to Major League Soccer, Inter Miami. Um, all sorts of uh, interesting tentacles to this, including the possibility of you know what that means for Major League Soccer and their TV deal with Apple TV, what it means for fans of this league. Now the Loons aren't aren't slated to play um, Miami this year, but you know if he sticks around for a while, maybe you would get a chance to see one of, if not the greatest player of all time playing in Major League Soccer. That would be quite something. Um, Loons don't play again till a couple days from now. Then they get a big break. Um, fellow Argentine Emmanuel Reynoso made his Loons debut a few days ago in a draw. We'll see where his fitness level is when they play again on Saturday. And then again, like I said, that big break. So lots of interesting stuff with Major League Soccer. Lionel Messi, the all-time great, um, coming over to this league. We'll see how that works out. Arguably the biggest signing in Major League Soccer history. I know when David Beckham came over, you know, you know, more than a decade ago, that was a big deal. Obviously, that was something that launched this league, add, added some, you know, added some quality to this league, added some star power to this league. I think Messi is a better player at this stage of his career right now than than Beckham was, and I think he is arguably even a better player than Beckham. But we'll see what his impact ultimately is on this league. That'll do it for today. Like I said, Bobby Nightingale Jr. will be on with me on Friday to talk about. His, uh, his journey to the Twins beat, his early impressions of the Twins, and all sorts of things baseball. Hope you'll stick around for that on Friday. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. I'm Michael Rand. See you tomorrow.